All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter number 11. The book of Romans chapter number 11. And we're going to be in verses 16 through 32 here. Um, actually, we're going to finish out all the way down through verse 36. The bulk of the message will be in verses 16 through 32, and the rest of it is um, Paul just really lifting up the Lord uh, and, and glorying in Him, and we'll we'll see that in our conclusion tonight. But uh, I had thought about reading the, this passage, but we're going to be reading the verses as we deal with them, and uh, I think rather than... Uh, reading it all through at one time. We'll just uh, read it as we go along. But tonight we continue with the thought that we began last week on a biblical understanding of God's plan for Israel. Now, last week I shared how the Apostle Paul made two main points. If you remember, the two main points was that God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel, and he used himself as an example of that. I mean, the Lord certainly didn't reject the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus there on the D D Damascus Road, and there were other Jews, some reached by Paul, some reached by others. The, also, all of, the, all of the original church were Jews, the, the, those that were up in the um, uh, room waiting on the Holy Ghost, uh, pretty much all of those were Jews. They would get the apostles and those that had been walking with Jesus during the time that he was on the earth. And so uh, God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel, but uh, God has not permanently rejected the nation of Israel either. And I also shared on the practical implications of these truths. The, these two spiritual truths will affect our theology. Uh, how we believe and our, our trust in God's word too. Because if God, uh, if God gave up on the Jews, then you have a problem that he didn't fulfill covenant. Uh, and we're talking about covenant that he, he promised he was going to fulfill. And God doesn't do that. <laughs> it would affect our thoughts about God's word and also our attitude toward the Jewish people. And it's very easy to develop an attitude if uh, the Jews turned away from God and God said, I'm done with them. Well, if God's done with them, then I'm going to be done with them too. That's not a great attitude to have, okay? God's not done with them. God has set them on the sideline for a little while. And tonight, as we look at verses 16 through 32, I believe we can summarize Paul's message in these verses in two main points as well. And I believe the two main messages that Paul communicates here are that God has the power to restore, successfully restore Israel. We know that God has the power to do that, amen? He's all-powerful. And then God has the plan to successfully restore Israel. So we're going to look at, be looking at those two things with those two thoughts as we go through here tonight. And when I say restore Israel, I'm referring to, to those who are the physical descendants of of Abraham through the lines of Jacob, also known as Israel. Remember, Jacob's name was cha changed to Israel. And we also know them as the Jews. You know, Abraham's got a lot of descendants, but not all of them are Jews. Uh, some, of them, some of them are against the Jews. Uh, the Ishmaelites were descendants of Abraham, but they, they, they hated the Jews. 
So uh, we think of uh, we, we're, when we talk about the descendants of Abraham, or, uh, the physical descendants of Abraham through the line of Jacob, that's who we're talking about in restoring Israel. And we're talking about them being restored to the position and calling that they have from the Lord God. God called them for a particular purpose, and uh, he, he put them in a particular position. He's going to restore them to that position and calling that he uh, has for them. Now, to use an illustration I used last week, they will be placed back into the starting lineup once again. Uh, you've got they're been placed on the sidelines. They're, they're, they're on the bench. <laughs> God has the power and he has a plan to see that they can get back in the game. And they will be back, back in the game. So uh, the Jewish people once had a very special privileged relationship with God. But because of unbelief, they, they lost some of the status and privileges, and now you know, we benefit as Gentiles. We Gentiles now have a lot of status and privileges that Israel lost, but we must not become proud, overconfident, or antagonistic toward the Jewish people. Now, Paul uses these first few verses that we uh, hear that we're going to read to tell the Gentiles in the church that they should not look down on or be hostile, hostile to the Jewish people. And we Gentiles need to, re- to understand that we did not earn or deserve the status that we now have. Uh, we were not chosen because we were more righteous or more compatible than Israel. In fact, the reason why we were chosen was because we believed the gospel. Okay? Well, we believed the, the, well, we were chosen to make Israel jealous. Remember verse 11? Uh, flip back to verse 11 uh, real quick, and we see this. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather that through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So uh, there was a reasoning behind that, and so we must be careful about our attitude toward the Jews because we too could lose our special status, and also we must be careful about our attitude toward the Jews because God's special relationship with Israel is going to be restored. So the first thing we want to see in verse number 16 tonight is God has the power to successfully restore Israel. Verse 16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And what in the world is that talking about? Well, Paul is using imagery here uh, that is unfamiliar to a lot of us today. And so let me explain explain briefly what he's talking about. In, In Old Testament times, the Israelites would take the first of the harvested grain and make dough with it. Okay? And from the batch of dough, they would take a small portion and offer it up to God as a symbolic gesture that all the wheat had come from him and that all the wheat was to be used for his purposes. The whole dough was considered holy. Now, this, talking about first fruit, the first fruit is that, that, that portion that was given to God, and that was holy. But if that's holy, the, the whole lump is holy. And, and he's saying here, if the root, talking about, he's, when we're, we're going to see here in a minute, the root is talking about the, the patriarchs, okay? It's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It, it, they were holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. The branches are those that come out 
of uh, them. And um, in, in a similar sense, uh, I want you to understand we give a tithe, we give 10% of our income to the church, and by doing so, we acknowledge that you know, God's been, he blessed us and give us uh, uh, the, uh, what we have, but we know that it all belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. We're saying, God, you, you gave, gave this to me, and, and I'm giving you back that portion that uh, you, you asked for. And, and holy, in this context, does not refer to moral uprightness, but being set apart as special to God. You know, when, when, we, get our, when we get paid, we set apart, we go ahead and write that tithe check, set it apart unto God and give that, give that money on the, upon the first day of the week. That's, that's the Lord's money. Now Paul's point here is that because the first Jewish people, again the patriarchs, the patriarchs were holy and set apart to God as special. You think Abraham was special? He, he, the Lord made him feel special. And we, when we read about Abraham and God's dealings with Abraham, Abraham was special. Uh, he believed God and God counted it to him for, for righteousness. And, and uh, uh, he blessed him uh, through the line there, uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so all the Jewish people are holy and set apart to God for his special purposes. Now, in other words, God is not through with the Jew. God has not broken his covenant and uh, he's not rejected the Jewish people altogether. He has only broken off some branches that were not producing fruit. And he mentions this in verse 17 and 18. Look at verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off and thou, be, and thou being a wild olive tree, we're going to see this refers to uh, the Gentiles, I'll be in the olive tree, were graft in among them with, uh, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, uh, but the root thee. So he said, what you boasting for? You know, you, you, the reason you exist is because of the root. <laughs> And and the uh, the uh, and so he's he's wanting us to know that now uh, here God's special people those who have received that special status and privileges are compared corporately to an olive tree while the individuals are compared to the uh, separate branches of the olive tree now in New Testament times a husbandman who had an olive tree that was not producing fruit. Uh, would break off some of the unproductive branches and would graft in new ones to stimulate productiveness in the tree. And that is what has happened, figuratively speaking, with the Jewish and Gentile people. The, a lot of the individual, and we're, 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 you know we've been talking there, there's always a remnant of Jews that believe. And there are believing Jews even today that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and have salvation just as much and are as part of the church as much as us who are Gentiles. So don't forget that when we're talking about this. But the individual Jewish people who rejected Christ were broken off. In other words, they lost their special spiritual position and privileges, which is just what Jesus said would happen. Look in Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21. <clears throat> Jesus warned them about this. 
<clears throat> Matthew 21, and uh, look at verse number 42 and uh, 43. Matthew 21 and verse number 42, and it says here, Matthew 21, 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now Jesus is talking about himself. He's that stone that the builders rejected. And he is the cornerstone of the church, isn't he? He is. And it, and it is a marvelous thing. But look at verse 43. Therefore say I unto you, understand who he's talking to, he's talking to Jews here. I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. So uh, Jesus said it was going to happen. The Gentile believers are compared to a wild olive tree. Uh, back in our text, and understand they have not replaced Israel, but instead have been grafted into the tree to be beneficiaries of her spiritual heritage and covenant. The spiritual heritage and covenant that's found at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That makes sense to you? Paul calls it the root and fatness there in verse 17. Notice there uh, the last phrase, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So we Gentiles must remember our position is not one of superiority over the Jews, but rather that the root, the Jewish founders, supported us. <laughs> uh, rather than be proud and boastful of our status, we need to recognize the special place that the Jews still have in God's plan. Now, Paul is using these spiritual truths to warn against the scorn the prejudiced and even anti-Semitic attitudes that have nevertheless existed, sadly, in the church a lot of times. Some churches are anti-Semitic, anti-Jew, and of course in, we see a lot of it in the Gentile world today. Uh, when you take a look at uh, the nations, nations are largely against <laughs> Israel. In fact, I think one one reason why we haven't totally fallen as a nation is because of our past uh, support of Israel. Now, when any time our our nation gets on shaky ground supporting is on supporting Israel, we get on shaky grounds. And so, uh, I, I believe that's an area that we need to pray about uh, for our nation. And uh, that, of course, it, it does make a difference. But those those attitudes of Scorn and prejudice and anti-Semitic attitudes uh, are not consistent with the truth and commands of Scripture. We know uh, that to be the case. Now, verses 19 through 22, let's read them. Verse 19, he says, and I love the way the Apostle Paul knows what the argument's going to be from the other side. You know how he knows it? Because he's a Jew. Okay, He's a Jew. Thou wilt say, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. How did you get grafted in to this mix? We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We got saved. Amen. And he says, be not high-minded, but fear. <laughs> Verse 21. 
For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness. And we benefit of the grace of God is what he's saying here. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt, uh, uh, also shalt be cut off. And he's talking about Gentiles as a whole now. Um, so rather than being arrogant, the Gentiles in the church should be humble because we recognize that we are not receiving our spiritual privileges because we are better than the Jews, but because we stand by faith. <laughs> it's based on our faith in Christ uh, how we receive the blessings. The Gentiles in the church could lose the privileged position if we have this, the same spiritual pride and unbelief that the nation of Israel did. And there's no reason to think that God will treat the Gentiles any differently than he did the unbelieving Jews. I mean, when it says there, if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And that we just read there. Now, in fact, in, in uh, other places, we know that Paul writes about how the Gentile church will apostatize. And you know, I've preached a series on apostasy before. And uh, when we look at the book of, I, I think I preached through the book of Jude twice already. Uh, and it deals with the matter of apostasy, uh, departing from the faith. You know, there, there's other places uh, that, that Paul Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, and 2 Thessalonians 2 about the Gentile church departing from the faith. And I'll, I'll give that to you again if you want to write it down. 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, and 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, uh, they talk about the apostasy the, that will take place and we should look at the history of Israel and learn a lesson. God was stern with those who in spiritual pride and unbelief rejected grace but he's been very kind to those of us who have received his grace by faith and he will continue to be so. Uh, he says, if thou continue in his goodness otherwise thou shalt be cut off. That's how he puts it there. Uh, Rather than be prideful, which was the error of the Israelites, we need to be humble and recognize that it's only by grace that we have anything good from God. Amen? Only by grace. Uh, having dealt with this important side issue, Paul now gets to the first of the two main points that I shared in the beginning of, of this message. That is that God has the power to successfully restore Israel. Look at verse 23 and 24. Verse 23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, he's talking about the Jew, if the Jews abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. God's able. Amen. God is, God's got the power to be able to do that. Verse 24, For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Hey. And so, uh, I don't know, uh, most of us have computers and uh, uh, we, we, we love them and we hate them, right? <laughs> uh, 
we hate it when we get the messages such as if you got a computer and you got a, a Windows operating system, you probably have received a message at some time or another that says something like this, quote, this program has committed a fatal error and will be shut down. And usually I've got to reset the whole system and, and let it go through its checks and balances to get back up. Uh, and that message means uh, there's really, you might as well just get out of the program that you're in. You're not going to get back in there right now. And you're not going to be able to do anything. Whatever you had, you lost. <laughs> if you didn't save it, you lost it. And the program uh, or the computer must start over again. Now, some people were thinking that was what happened with the Jews. They believed that Israel had committed a fatal error and rejected Jesus as a nation and were therefore beyond recovery or restoration as a nation. Okay, Remember, we're talking about the Jews as a nation rather than Jews as individuals. Jews as individuals, there's remnant of believers, a lot of unbelievers, but as a nation, okay, as a nation, was what we're talking about here. Paul corrects this mistaken belief by pointing out that God has the power to restore Israel. And Paul continues to use the analogy of an olive tree to do this. He says there, if God can graft a wild olive tree, that's the Gentiles, into a cultivated olive tree, which was normally done successfully, then certainly God can graft natural branches, Israel, that's the natural branches, back into the olive tree even more readily. And so the natural branches, the Jewish people, will more quickly and more effectively take to their position as God's chosen and called people than the Gentiles did. You know, the Gentiles, um, they had to get used to this thing of, of, of faith. I mean, they, they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but boy, it took a lot of growing. They didn't have a lot of spiritual background. Um, somebody like the Apostle Paul, when he got saved, he had all that Jewish upbringing in the Old Testament that he could rely on. And uh, boy, it just all came, came alive to him. It, you know, his mind was quickened by the Holy Spirit. Uh, all that he had studied in the Scriptures under, under Gamaliel uh, came to life. And he, uh, he understood it better than he ever understood before. But, but we Gentiles, you know, Gentiles didn't have that advantage. I mean, they didn't grow up in church. They didn't grow up in the scriptures. And so they had to grow. They had to learn. Okay? And, and so it, it's easier uh, to restore Israel. I mean, if, if especially when you know, they've been partially blinded right now. God opens their eyes. They begin to see. Think about it. Um, uh, God has the power to successfully restore them on the surface. The, uh, the situation for Israel rest, Israel's restoration doesn't look very good right now. The vast majority of Jews have no interest in Jesus and are often hostile to the spreading of the gospel message to Jews. I mean, anytime um, that comes out in um, on the news, you know they you know they're I think one one year was the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. They were going to target. The Jews try to in their evangeliz evangelization, and boy, I mean, it was all over the news. Remember that? And then um, there was uh, a theme park in Orlando. I, I understand it shut down last year. Theme park in Orlando that was known as the Holy Land Experience. I never been to it, 
But that came under attack by Jewish organizations because the Jews that would go there, you know, when the Holy Land experience of them was, well, boy, we're going to see a lot about Israel. They'd get there and the gospel would be preached to them. <laughs> well, the Jews had a problem with that, uh, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus with the Jews. So uh, such evangelism, I want you to understand, is often considered anti-Semitic by many Jews. Now, what they consider anti-Semitic in that area is not really anti-Semitic. In fact, uh, I think we got some laws that were just formed in this past um, past year. Remember all the stuff that was going on over in Jacksonville, the, the flashing of the anti-Semitic messages and all the flyers and all that were being put in the Jewish neighborhoods. Were, well, they are, there are some um, hate crime things that were passed. And I think the, the, on surface it looked like it might be okay, but when you think about it, if you try to give a gospel track to a Jew, you could be de determined to be anti-Semitic, probably under that law from what I saw of what the law was going to be, uh, how it was going to be. And that's not anti-Semitic to try to get a Jew to come to Christ. Because if they don't come to Christ, what's going to happen? They're going to go to hell. You know, uh, they, there's no hope for them apart from Jesus Christ. So, anyway, I got away from... <laughs> that's a sidetrack, all right? But uh, presently, there doesn't look like much of a chance uh, of a great spiritual awakening in Israel, but, but don't let that affect your thinking because God has the power to successfully restore Israel and... Uh, number two thing, God has plans to successfully restore Israel. And it's going to happen fast. Okay, When it happens, it's going to happen fast. Paul discusses this plan in the next few verses along with uh, reasons we can be sure of its success. Look at verse number 25. He says, For I would not, I would not brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. That's an important word there. Uh, a mystery in the New Testament refers to a spiritual truth that was previously unknown. This was not known until this point. Okay? Uh, be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness, notice this, blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take uh, away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, in this case, the mystery that people did not understand was that God had a plan, has a plan, to restore Israel after the Gentiles had come into the kingdom. And the mystery that many in the church were ignorant of was that God was not through with Israel. The Jews had been blinded in part until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. In other words, as soon as God is through dealing with the Gentiles... He will take away the blindness and the hardness of the Jewish people's hearts. And as a result, 
and as, as amazing as it's going to sound, all of Israel is going to come uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus uh, in a short period of time. Th that's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. I'm going to show it to you in the Old Testament when it, ha when it ha takes place here. How will Israel be saved? Well, they will not be saved any differently than people are saved today. The sentence there, uh, sentences there in verse 26 are Old Testament references to the ministry of Jesus Christ. He's, he's quoting out of Isaiah 59, verses 20 and 21, there in verse 26. And um, the, those are references to, to the ministry of Jesus Christ, which means that the Jewish people will be saved by entering the new covenant of Jesus Christ. That's the only way anybody can be saved. In other words, they will be saved by grace through faith in the Messiah, Jesus, just as the Gentiles are. Now they're looking for a Messiah. Well, the Messiah came and rejected him. Now guess what? The same Messiah is going to come again. Okay? But he's going to come differently this time. First time he came, he came to give his life a ransom for sin. This time he's going to be coming to, to rule and to reign. Uh, God has plans to successfully restore Israel. And because this is true, we need to recognize that, as verse 28 says, the, the Jewish people are enemies in one respect because they oppose the gospel. But in the, in the, at the same time, they are beloved for the fathers. And that is for the patriarchs' sake. That's who he's talking about there. In other words, they are treated as loved ones and not enemies because of God's covenant promises with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's why we talk in a positive respect around here about Israel and the Jews. You know, and we have a love for them. We have a respect for, for them. How can we be sure of Israel's future restoration? Well, Paul answers that question in the next few verses, verses 29 through 32. Look at verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God. Yeah, there was a time when Gentiles didn't believe. Hmm? Yeah. Yet have yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Okay? Remember when Paul says, okay, well, I turn away from the Jew. Well, he didn't turn away entirely from them, but Paul became the, 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 he became the apostle to the Gentiles. The, I mean, he kept getting run out of town and kept, get, kept getting uh, abused by the Jews that he was trying to win. And uh, he went to the Gentiles then. That didn't mean that he quit uh, with the Jews, but he basically uh, realized that uh, uh, the Lord was setting them aside for a time. Look at, um, uh, let's see here, da, da, da. verse 32. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Okay, in other words, uh, uh, in other words now he... He's had mercy not just on the Jew, but the Gentile too is what that's talking about. Uh, now we can be sure of Israel's future restoration because it does, does not depend on their work, but on God's faithfulness and mercy. Now, first of all, God has given Israel a special calling and special promises, and he's not unfaithful to his word, is he? God's going to God always fulfills what he said he's going to do. 
Verse, verse 29 says, God's gifts and calling are without repentance. God doesn't turn from his gifts and callings. Yes, the Jewish people are currently very rebellious and disobedient, but we should not let Israel's current disobedience convince us that they cannot be restored. As verses 30 and 31 state, we, we too were one time disobedient. But God showed us mercy and brought us into a special relationship with Him. So we can expect Him to do the same with Israel and His mercy. Now listen, verse 32 does not support universal salvation. That's not what he's talking about. It only states that God has allowed all men, both Jews and Gentiles, to be disobedient at different times so that each will recognize the need for mercy that God is willing to have on them all. Uh, both Jews and Gentiles, both, both groups of people are treated the same. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. You don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, well, you, you, there's no other way. Jesus is the way. So uh, we've seen four things about God's plans for Israel in these last two weeks. God has not completely rejected the people of Israel, and God has not permanently rejected the people of Israel. And God has the power to successfully restore Israel. And God has plans to successfully restore Israel. Now hold your place. We're going to come back to verse 33 here in just a minute. But I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Zechariah. If you get to the end of the Old Testament and flip back, you got Malachi to flip through, and then you'll be at Zechariah. And I want you to go to Zechariah chapter number 12. Zechariah chapter number 12. Remember, Zechariah is a prophet. And um, there's going to come a time, he's talking about a time during the day of the Lord when uh, all of, uh, all of the, the whole world is going to be coming against Jerusalem. Uh, he talks about in Zechariah 12 and verse number 2, he says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling and unto all people round about when they shall be uh, in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem, they're going to. It's, it's going to be like we got to do away with them, and they'll be around them. And he says there in verse three, and, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. And that's the way it's going to get at the toward the end of the the tribulation period, uh, uh, the battle of Armageddon. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to happen, and they're going to come against Israel to try to destroy Israel. And we know that, I'm not going to read all of this, okay? But I suggest you read uh, chapter 12, but I want you to skip down to uh, uh, verse number 10. Verse number 10. Well, let's, let's back up to verse number 9. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Okay, understand, all the nations are coming against Jerusalem. And the Lord's not going to fall. He's not going to have it. Like verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David, that's the Jews, okay, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace, okay, grace, talking about graciousness, kindness, favor, Spirit of grace and of supplications. That's earnest prayer. And notice this. Look at what it says. And they, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. There's the, 
there's the crucified, resurrected Savior coming back, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. I believe that's where it's going to take place at right there. Okay? And that day there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadarimnon and in the valley of Megiddon. As I said, the valley of Megiddon, that's where Armageddon is going to be taking place. Uh, this, as a nation, they're going to look on him who they pierce and they're going to believe. They're going to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to our, let's, let's finish this up with verses 33 through 36. I'm going to read it. And we'll make just a short comment and we're done, okay? But notice, after, after all that he said in, in chapters 9, 10, and 11 regarding the Jew, uh, and we, we say, man, but this, this got my head hurt. You know, we, we, this is kind of deep. <laughs> and he acknowledges it. Verse 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So Paul concludes this section of the book of Romans by giving glory to God. He does this because God in his wisdom has brought about the salvation of both Jews and Gentiles through Christ in a way that no man could have ever understood, no man could have ever expected, and no man could ever earn it. Everything begins with God, takes place by his plans and by his purposes, and therefore to him be glory forever. Amen. Thank you for sending the Savior. Thank you for uh, uh, allowing us in on it, too. You know, uh, thank, thank you for the salvation we enjoy. What a blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for...